0: You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale.
1: A generation of basketball fans know Charles Barkley only as a wisecracking studio analyst for the NCAA men's basketball tournament and NBA television broadcast. But the self-deprecating Barkley was one heck of a basketball player himself. The round mount of rebound was 11-time NBA All-Star And a member of the NBA's 50 greatest players at the league's 50th anniversary and the league's 75 greatest players at the league's 75th anniversary. Shorter than the average power forward at just 6'4, he used strength, quickness, and hustle to achieve greatness. He was also part of the 1992 US Olympic Dream Team, considered by many the greatest collection of basketball players on one team in history. He's also made quite a career out of talking about other people's games, and he enjoys taking and dishing out abuse with his colleagues. Charles, welcome to Sports Connections. Hey, David, thanks for having me. All right, first question, does it seem like it's been 22 years since your playing career ended? <laughs> oh, that's a really
0: good question. Um, Well, sometimes it does, because you know you see guys that are so young. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it, it may, especially during Mars Madness, you'll see some of your old t- uh, guys who played in the NBA when their kids are in college, you're like, "Wow, I played against that guy when he didn't have kids." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, 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 I think I feel it more in Mars Madness than I do when it, when it's uh, in compared to the
1: NBA. Yeah, I've I've got kids who are older than most NBA players now. They're 36 and 38. So I'm I definitely feel like it's been 22 years since you retired. <laughs> does Does it bother you that so many of today's fans think of you? Only as a broadcaster, rather than as a great player.
0: Not really. I mean, listen. I had a great run. I mean, listen. I <laughs> I hadn't played in 21 years, so you know, most people have never seen me play. You know, like uh, uh, in the NBA. So that doesn't bother. And listen, David, my job is to make sure I never have to get a real job, <laughs> whether that's whether that's the NBA, uh, whether that's television, doing commercials. My goal in life. It's just to make sure, in the words of the great uh, Amari Rashad, I want to be on scholarship my whole life. There you go,
1: there you go. That's a good one. You know, my first recollection of you, I was I, I graduated from college in '81, uh, but my first recollection was hearing about you at Auburn, and then you trying out for the Olympic team in '84. And I I don't remember all the details of that, but didn't Bob Knight have some derogatory comments? about you when he cut you? No, I, he just not say thing to rock, the rocker. He just didn't
0: like me. And I, even to this day, I still don't know why.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, it was, it was interesting. Uh, Cause I mean, I, first of all, I played great. Uh, but for some reason he just had made up his mind. I was not going to make the team. Uh, you know, it's one of the great compliments I've gotten in my life. I tell people, so John Thompson, the, the late great John Thompson calls my college coach and says, uh, he said, hey, John Thompson want to talk to you. He's going to call me in my office. It's like the week after I got cut. And Coach Thompson calls and he said, Charles, I just want you to know, I have no idea. Bobby had told us you're not going to make the team. And we're like, why? Like, uh, he's just not my type of guy. But he said, I just want you to know you were the second best player there. And Dave, the thing that was funny about that, We hang up. I said, Coach, that's one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten, blah, 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 blah. So thank you for the kind words. And we hang up this phone, and Sonny Smith says, I actually thought you were the best player in the country. He said, well, I said, I'm damn sure not. Yeah. Yeah, there's
1: some guy named Jordan
0: there. Yeah, I said, Coach, i just seen the greatest basketball player I've ever seen in my life. I said, I know I'm like 20 years old, but and I'm playing in the SEC. I'm playing against some pretty good players. Yeah. I said, Coach, i seen this guy named Michael Jordan. He's a little taller than me. He cannot run everybody. He cannot jump everybody. I, I, uh, I said, he's jet black. Uh, but it's the greatest thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. And he says, oh, I got to watch for that guy. And that's the first time I got to be around Michael. But, you know, the really cool thing about it, David, is it really gave me a shot of adrenaline because when we started, I think we started with 120 players and i probably 50, 60 of those guys brought in the hall of fame now, but we started with 120 players. We went to 180, 60, 40, 20, and I made it to the last cut. And I remember driving to the airport. It was me, Carmelo, John Stockton, and Terry Porter. So he cut some really good players off that team. Yeah, But, you know, uh, but it, it really helped my confidence to play against those guys. But to this day, I still don't
1: know why he just, like, had made up his mind I wasn't going to make the team. And, you know, Coach Thompson's comment is, is even even more impressive considering his star player, Patrick Ewing, Ewing, was there as well. So that really says a lot. You know, it, it, it was really a great – my ability
0: to dribble – It's probably been my greatest asset, you know, because obviously I'm undersized. But the one thing that big guys hate is undersized guys who can dribble. So it was really cool for my confidence to play against a who's who and hold my arm because, you know, I'd never really honestly. You know, I played against Kentucky, Georgia, Florida. We didn't play any big time schools when I was at Auburn because we didn't make the tournament until my third year, my last year of college. So playing against Kentucky and Georgia and Florida and Tennessee was my the most. Out, but playing against Patrick Ewing, Danny Manning, Wayman Tisdale, uh, uh, Joe—I Cl- mean, it's a who's who of guys who were at that Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. When I realized
1: I could play with anybody, it was a great booster for my my confidence. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, did being selected for the Dream Team in 92 make up for the disappointment uh, of 84?
0: Well, to be honest with you, I really wasn't disappointed. Really? Because it Because it, what it did was it let me know I was ready for the NBA. So, I you know, obviously, I'm from a small town in Alabama. And like I say, when I left the Olympic trials, I'm like, yeah, I'm done with college. I'm ready for the NBA. So I really wasn't disappointed because, like I said, it gave me such a great jolt of energy. But to get back to your question, being selected to the Dream Team was really one of the coolest. The Olympics are the greatest sport event in the world. I said on television last week, the Olympics are the greatest thing I've ever done in my life, uh, just being there. But the Mars Madness thing is the second coolest thing I've ever been involved in. But, Playing on the Dream Team was really awesome. Um, it was fun. And playing with those guys who were my peers, yeah, it, it was really
1: amazing and special. Yeah. I got to be at the uh, Olympics in 96 in Atlanta for the second Dream Team. And the thing that I remember the most, I, I worked for the Atlanta committee. And so my I was basically covering basketball games. I I got to write game stories for 42 games in 16 days and loved every minute of it. Uh, But the thing that sticks in my mind the most is as the American flag went up, a whole bunch of crusty sports writers who aren't supposed to show any emotion and aren't aren't supposed to be patriotic or any of these things. As that flag went up and the national anthem played, a whole bunch of guys got dust in their eyes because they were wiping their eyes. And it must have just been all the dust in the Georgia Dome because it was such an emotional thing. What do you remember about the the flag being raised? Was that an emotional thing for you? Well, in 92 and 96, I was blessed to
0: play uh, in both Olympics. I tell you, when they're playing your national anthem, it is one of the most surreal feelings. Because we, I think Americans, we are the least patriotic people in the world. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, man, these other dudes, they love their country so much. I mean, their fans, they don't really care who's winning or losing. They all got flags. They all got their faces painted. I mean, man, they really love their country. And that's why I say everybody should go to the Olympics one time in their life. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, television really doesn't do it justice. But when you actually go to the Olympics and you're walking around and everybody's got a flag on, everybody's face is painted. And I think they want to win, obviously, but I think they just it's an honor and a privilege to represent their country.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And us being in that environment, I was like, wow, representing the United States is even better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So to answer your question. It it, it, it it does feel
1: good when they're playing in that slam. It was pretty special,
0: both times.
1: You know, we watch my wife and I watch the Olympics. Doesn't matter if it's winter, summer. Doesn't matter if it's a sport I've ever seen before or will ever watch again. Watching the medal ceremony is the, is really cool, and especially when it's in American. they always show it, the Americans winning it. One one time, this guy who looked like he was really rough and, and rugged and all, he's crying while the, while the anthem's being played. My wife said, isn't that strange? I said, I'll tell you what, if I ever won an Olympic medal, I would not be able to sing a word because, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd be crying all the way through it. It's a, it is well, a cool well, feeling uh, for so sure. It,
0: it, well, it was not only a cool feeling, like when you spend time with other athletes, just getting to the Olympics is like, and they ain't got no chance of winning a medal, Yeah, but getting to the Olympics it's the highlight of their life. Yeah. I mean, winning one, obviously, is on a whole nother level. Yeah. But when you spend time, they're like, and you're like, wow, this dude ain't got no chance of winning, but he has so much pride representing his country. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, wow, this is unbelievable. This guy's just like, no, you don't understand. Me representing my country getting to the Olympics it's the highlight of my life, you yeah. know, and, and like I say, and a bunch of those guys, like, they they are so big in their country and they don't even win a medal, but just get into the Olympics. And uh, it, it was the coolest thing. Uh, that and the opening ceremonies. Yeah. You when know, you talk about the rate that the national, the, 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 first of all, you got no idea how many countries there are until you walk <laughs> to the Olympics. I mean, like, but then obviously, the United States, we're like way in the back, and you're sitting back there for like three hours. And they're just on like Jay. You're like, <laughs> damn. There's a lot of countries in the in the world. So, um, man, it, it 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 it's just incredible. It was
1: just incredible. Who gave you the nickname Round Mount of Rebound?
0: You know, when I was at Auburn, we were trying to get attention for the program, and I had about probably ten to fifteen nicknames, and we played off it. I was trying to get attention for the program because we had never did anything, to be honest with you. I tell people one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life was getting Auburn to the tournament because, uh, you know, Auburn had never made the tournament. And when I got there, it was a, a, a tough program. And getting us to Mars Man is one of the coolest accomplishments of my life. But when I first got to Auburn, and started having success. We were doing anything to recruit, and the best way was, you know, I had no problem with them having fun with me. But it was really I had a bunch of nicknames to be honest with you. The, the, you know, round mound and rebound, obviously. Um, the wide low from Leeds, the Crisco kid, <laughs> man, I had a bunch of them, and that one stuck because I was leading the SEC and rebounding. You know, I was in college for three years, and I led the SEC in rebounding every year. Mm-hmm. So that one stuck, but, man, we
1: were doing anything to get attention to the program. I talked about it in the intro. Your playing career, both in college and the pros, belied the fact that you were shorter and more stout than most guys who played your position. How were you able to do so many great things despite being only 6'4"?
0: Well, I was really just trying to – I hit a lot of people because one thing about tall guys, if you hit them, they're not able to jump. So I'm out there banging, banging, banging. I had great explosiveness around the basket. Uh, Rebounding was my thing. But uh, the main thing is I want to be as physical as possible because when you're playing against people bigger than you, you have to hit them. I mean, I don't mean punch them or anything like that, but you have to get on their body. Because yeah. guys can't jump when you land all over them. So I'm always was looking at different angles, you know, but, the, but, but I think my best ability to put the ball on the floor was a really huge asset because, like I say, big guys do not want to move their feet. Uh, you know, it, it was interesting. You know, um, I was covering the Auburn game uh, Sunday and give Coach Larry great credit. You know, Walker Kessler is one of the best shot blockers in college. I think he finished first or second. I can't remember. It's the stats right offhand. But, like, the first five plays of the game, he isolated him, and he got two quick fouls because he was not you – know, the way Auburn defense was dictated, they pushed everything to him, and he blocked the shot. But give Coach Larry a credit. He isolated him on the wing and got him two quick fouls. And I think Auburn never recovered – from that
1: situation, it's funny you bring up Coach Laronega. Uh, I saw some post game that that he said the motivation for Miami winning that game was that you said beforehand if Auburn advanced to the Sweet Sixteen, you'd take off your shirt in the studio. And he said he saved America. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, you know, I, 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 that was that was
0: really good. You know, we were having fun because I don't know if you saw Kevin Sampson take off his shirt. Yes. Yeah. And I said, and I, I've known Kevin, who's a terrific coach. I said, I cannot unsee that. I don't want to <laughs> see Kevin. that. Yeah. I, 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 I said, I'm gonna go to bed tonight watching Kevin, thinking about his naked body, and then I started having fun. I said, well, you know, that's not a bad idea if Auburn wins. So uh, I thought it was really cool to Coach Laranega Coach Larry- to have some fun with that.
1: You make light of your physique, even even your email address, which I obviously I'm not going to give out. But do you subscribe to the theory you can take your job seriously, you just shouldn't take yourself too seriously?
0: David, I, 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 no, David, let's be honest. I tell people, yo man, you dribble a stupid ball for a living. <laughs> if you start thinking you're better or more important and significant than like doctors, uh, teachers, firemen, policemen, people who got like real job. Yeah. I just think you become a jackass. That's to be honest with you. I take, I take my job very serious. Uh, I'm, I'm really good at my job, whether it's college or pros, I, I take great, great pride, but I still like tell these guys, yo, man, we, we run a We throw a football, we dunk a basketball, we hit a baseball. When you start thinking like, I'm really, really important and significant, you really need to have a check Check yourself. Yeah. I mean, because that's what I did. I dribbled a stupid basketball for a living, made millions of dollars. That's it. Uh, I'm not like I say, I'm not like a teacher, a fireman, a policeman or somebody like that. Obviously we see now, the essential workers who are amazing during this pandemic, but I've always known that. Yeah. But like, yo man, uh, I think my grandmother, the greatest person in my life would just smack me side the head. She's like, (laughs) you do, you know, you dribble a basketball, right? Uh, Don't start taking yourself that serious. So I never have, I was great at basketball. I love playing basketball, but like
1: it still was just basketball. Now, you were the central figure on some really, really good teams, even even though you never won an NCAA or NBA title. What's your proudest accomplishment as a player? Is it getting Auburn to the tournament? Is it being on the Olympic team, two different Olympic teams? What's your proudest accomplishment? Well,
0: I'm I'm proud of the fact, two little known facts. My high school was always great, but they could never get to the state tournament. And we got our heartbroken, like my, not me, but like my hometown. I'm from a small town of a couple thousand people. We could never get over the hump going to the state tournament. And I finally got us there. And it was one of the coolest things ever for my city. I think the second thing is when I got to Auburn, <laughs> a funny story. So I'm trying to decide where to go to college, and I'm really close to my mother and grandma, so I'm gonna stay close by. Well, no, number one, no big schools were recruiting me because I was a 6 power forward. So I'm gonna stay close to home. So it's UAB, which is about 20 minutes from my house. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is about an hour and 15 minutes, and Auburn's like two hours. So I go visit UAB. I go visit Alabama. So Alabama and UAB, what's really ironic, they both make it to the Sweet 16 and they have everybody coming back. And actually Alabama signed the best big man in the country, a guy named Bobby Lee Hurt. So then I was like, wow, I'm probably not gonna get to play for a while. So then I go visit Auburn and I go down there and Auburn's lost like 12 games in a row. They suck. And I was sitting with the coach watching, and I said, Coach, you got a pen? He said, Oh, you think you're good enough? You're going to start signing autographs already. I said, No, 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 no. I'm going to sign my scholarship right now because you got a bunch of bombs out here, and I know I can play at Auburn. <laughs> I said, These dudes are trash. I can play at Auburn right now. I called my grandma, I was like, Hey, we're coming to school here. She's a boy. If you sign anything down there, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And I said, okay. But I made up my mind and uh, I signed with Auburn right after that. It was one of the best decisions of my life. And so I lost like three games in high school. So I wasn't used to losing. So every time we lost David, I cried, you Mm. know, back then. And it happened to be in a state tournament both years one for the championship and one uh for the in the semifinals so my first year at arbor you know you played the cup the first half of the season we're like 8 9 and oh. and um, we finally lose a game and i started crying i remember sitting one of the guys i think his name was alvin montford like what are you crying about i said we lost blah 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 he says we never win here and i said what he mm-hmm. said we never win here you don't cry every time we lose And I remember going back to my dorm, and I was pissed. And I remember telling the guys the next day, "Hey, man, this shit stops here. This is it. I'm not having that around here anymore. We're gonna compete. We're gonna win. I'm not having that around here. If you don't want to be here, leave. Just leave." And you're a freshman. I'm a freshman. And I said, if you guys don't want to win, I don't want you here. And from that day forward, we really started competing. My first year, I think we were 500. My next year, we were like 18 and 14, and we thought we had an outside chance to get into the NIT. And then my junior year, we made it to the SEC championship game and went into Mars Madness. And that's really two of my great accomplishments in my life. As far as the NBA, I think for 16, I played for 16 years. I think my consistency over that time, I didn't have any peaks and valleys mm-hmm. that really makes me feel good about what I accomplished. Cause you know, we have a lot of guys who get money and don't play again until they're a free agent again. Uh, one of the reasons we start shortening contracts in the NBA guys with Only play like the last year of the contract and get a big deal. And uh, we put an end to that, obviously. But the ability to be consistent. I didn't, my last two years were not great, but for 14 years, I really played high level basketball. So that makes me feel good about
1: my career. I I was bringing up some teams. Um, You were, you are, part of some pretty fun teams on camera. Uh, You team with Kenny, the Jet Smith, and my buddy Clark Kellogg, among others, on college basketball shows. You're with Kenny and Shaq uh, for NBA broadcasts. And the one I want to talk about, Samuel L. Jackson and Spike Lee with Capital One. I'm not going to ask you your favorite teammates, but what do you enjoy most about each group?
0: Well, to work with Sam is an honor and a privilege He is the most helpful actor. Not that I'm around a lot of actors. Yeah. He's like one of the most helpful actors I've ever been around. Mm. Like, he will tell the guys, that's not good. That's not funny. Let's try it like this. And it works every time. But what he really does the best is, when when I'm trying to get something, he'll like, Chuck, relax and try it like this. He says... He's, so he gives me great advice. because We want the commercials to be good and funny. Mm-hmm. But he's the best I've ever been around in knowing what's good and what's funny. Uh, and Spike is just a great director. Uh, obviously, his resume speaks for itself.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so it's an honor and a privilege to work with Sam. As far as TNT, I got the best person in the world is Ernie Johnson. Yep.
1: I'm friends with I Ernie
0: Johnson. And, 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 and he is just a great conductor. And me, Kenny, and Shaq, we're just guys trying to make people have fun watching basketball. I mean, David, we're just watching basketball. We're not saving the world. We're not not releasing nuclear secrets. And I I think that what people don't understand, we're on from 8 to 2 in the morning. Yeah. Nobody want to talk serious about basketball from 8 to 2 in the morning. I don't care. Me and you who love basketball, we don't want to sit there from eight to two in the morning and say X and old people to death. So we try to make sure it's fun. Yeah. You know, working with Clark, who's one of the best people as far as, you know, and, you know, sports is a crappy business behind closed doors, but to work with a guy who has no hidden agenda, who genuinely cares about the game, Mm -hmm and cares about the kids, that's pretty cool. Because you've been around a long time. You know, <laughs> there's some stuff going on behind the closed doors, especially in the NBA. Yeah. but and, it, and like I say, college is bad at times also. But to have to work with somebody who has no hidden agenda, who, who really just cares about the game and the kids, it, it's always fun to work with Clark. Yeah. I mean, he is just just like he loves college basketball. And to work with somebody who has no who has zero
1: hidden agenda is pretty special. Yeah, it, it looks like uh, and obviously I, I know I said I know Ernie and, and I've known Clark for a long time. It looks like regardless of who your partners are on the on the set, that you're having a good time. And so if that if that's your goal, I, you guys are pulling it off. I want to I go back to, to Samuel L. Jackson and Spike Lee. How did you guys get paired up? Uh, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest with you.
0: I know Sam probably was doing uh, – Sam was – I don't know how long he's been doing Capital One. And I think they incorporated me when we got Mars Madness because Capital One's our number one uh, sponsor of Mars Madness. So, obviously, something like that, but, like, I don't really know the particulars. But I think just because Sam had been doing Capital One, Capital One bought into March Madness, and Spike was directing a lot of the spots with Sam. So, I think that's just how we came together, to be honest with you. But I don't
1: remember no grand plan, uh, to be honest with you. Every time, you know, I would be working while I'm watching a game or something and, and I hear one of the, your three voices talking and I'll stop what I'm doing and watch mm-hmm. you because it looks like you guys have so much fun. And adding Jim Nance a couple of years ago, and Jim's another friend of mine, you know, just makes it, you know, Jim is totally different character for Jim's very professional and very austere and all this. And then there's <laughs> the three cut ups. But it yeah. just really adds as to that. So I'm glad to hear that you guys enjoy each other. I got to tell you, my favorite commercial of yours is the one. It's a Capital One commercial where the kid is pondering. It's obvious there's two little kids and yeah. trying to figure out who to pick. And she said, I'll take Barkley. And you celebrate. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you enjoy making fun of yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it was so funny when we
0: shot that spot. I was having so much fun with the kids Yeah, and uh, I, I actually took it to a whole nother level and they're like, so I started yelling at the kids <laughs> and it was hilarious. The kids were dying laughing with Capital couple of ones like, we don't want to cross that line. I'm like, we're trying to make people laugh shooting a stupid commercial. They used the most tame one, but I wanted to have more fun because the kids were awesome to work with, but I was trying to rub it in their face that she picked me. The Capital One thought it was too edgy, but the kids thought it would be hilarious. But I probably got more positive feedback on that commercial than I got in a long
1: time, to be honest with you. Yeah, I do like Championship, too. That's a pretty good (laughs) one. It's new this year.
0: Yeah, uh, so we got about, uh, we had four days in L.A., and you never know how many commercials they're going to chop it up. But we had about, I've seen, I've seen Championship finally. Uh, but they got. We made at least four or five, and they're going to release it how they want to. Yeah. But man, the, it, it was a lot of fun to to work. To they, they do a really good job yeah. of because the problem we have is we've had so much success with the commercials. You want to outdo yourself the next year. Yeah. So that's probably pretty much the hardest aspect. Of working with Capital One because we won a bunch of awards in the last few years but the one good thing about it Sam Sam will say hey we're not doing it like that that's not good that's not funny I mean and he's just a genius like that.
1: Now there's no way you would be as good at broadcasting or acting if you didn't work at it do you apply the same work ethic in those careers as you did as a player? Well, I think it's a little bit different.
0: I, I, I'm more, I work harder because I'm working with Sam and Spike. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to screw up when I'm working with Sam Jackson. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. so I, I I am, it's a really, I get kind of nervous. That's why Sam always say, Chuck, relax and do it like this. Because I'm working with Sam and Spike. Like, I want to get it right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it's an honor and a privilege to work with both of those guys. So I really feel intense pressure when I'm working with them, to be honest with you. But they make it so comfortable, but I still want to get it
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Basketball, it came naturally to you. And so you're just, you know, when you're playing against the best competition, you're just picking up what comes naturally. And with acting, you're working. I mean, is that a good way of, of summarizing it? Oh,
0: no question. Like. Trying to remember when I'm supposed to speak, and uh, let them finish their line. Don't step on their lines. Yeah. And then they're like, and then you know the the, the pro, and and the, the thing about commercials is, like they're so time time conscious. Like it has to be when they say it's a thirty second spot, it has to be exactly twenty seven seconds yeah and you keep doing it over and over. You say, well, why does it got to be twenty seven seconds because we need time to show three seconds of capital one and like now you're trying to speed up or now you're trying to slow down, then your brain is all over the place, uh, but that's but that's why you're there. I mean, you're there eight to ten hours a day easily
1: but but you still just want to get it right last last question before we wrap things up are you still thinking about a career in politics? I know at one point late in your NBA career, you were talking about uh, running for politics. Did did you even have aspirations of being president?
0: No, governor of Alabama. Governor, okay. Yeah. Uh, You know, David, I realized that both of these parties are full of crap. (laughs) And we, the American people, are just fools in a pawn game. And I was like, I thought I could really make a difference, but then I realized that both parties are awful. And I just turned fifty nine uh, a couple uh, a couple of weeks ago, and the notion that I want to go to work every day and play mind games with people's lives, which is what they do, mm-hmm. uh, they play mind games with people's life, and I, that that's really unfortunate and sad. And I'm like, yeah. I'm too old to go to work and argue and fight every day. Uh, I thought really hard about it, but I really realized, like, do you want to go to work and argue with people every day who have a hidden agenda? Or do you want to play golf and fish? And it was a very easy decision. Golfing and fishing won out. Yeah. And speaking of golf, uh, how's your golf game? I'm playing great right now. I got a, a new teacher and, it just started clicking his name is Stan Utley he's unbelievable you know david i love golf i love being out there love it's so beautiful out there you get to relax and have fun with your friends and talk about the good old days how good you used to be at basketball and how skinny you used to be <laughs> a bunch of old i mean that's what I and mean, that's what it is like i tell people this when you're old jock your body hurts Everything you you get up to go to the bathroom 27 times a night. So you know, so all you can do is go out and play golf and talk about the good old days. Yeah. So I, I love being out there. And so golfing and fishing, that's that that's the two things that you know. I, I so I'm on my gravy years. I tell people it's only sad when young people die. I just turned 59. It, I've had an amazing, great run. I'm not just saying it because I'm on your show. I mean, you know, I tell people this. Man, I grew up in in the projects. My mom was a maid. My grandmother worked in a meat factory. Uh, We had a couple thousand people in my hometown. And I grew up to be Charles Barkley. And I'm like, I cannot believe my life. And, I, and I'm not saying that to be humble or whatever. I'm like, when you're growing up in that town and you're like, damn, I've been all around the world. I, I, you know, I played in the Olympics twice. I played in the NBA for 16 years. I've been on television for 21 years. Man, I've had an amazing, amazing journey. Mm-hmm. And I tell the guys like, yo, man,
1: I, I, I've exceeded all my expectations. Right. I uh, I've written several books um, mostly on sports history and I interviewed one guy who, and this was in the middle, middle nineties, but uh, he played, played different, three different sports for Mississippi state. And, and he took time off to be in the army in world war II. So I said, so how good were you? And he gave me one of the greatest lines ever. The older I get, the better I was. Hey, (laughs) Uh, uh, Hey, listen, no
0: true words have been spoken truer. The older I get, the better I was. And you know, but listen, I, I, like I say, I'm proud of what I accomplished. It's been amazing what I've been able to see and do in my life. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm getting to the point, I've lost two brothers. I lost my mother, my grandmother and my father recently. And now I'm just like, wow, man, what a, an amazing journey. And I wouldn't, uh, even the stupid stuff I did, I wouldn't change a thing because you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And, but man, what a crazy, amazing journey
1: I've been on. I like to wrap up with two things. First of all, is to talk about your family. I know you have a, you have a daughter who who went to Villanova, so you picked Villanova. <laughs> I love your logic and your picks, uh, by the way. Um, just talk about your family.
0: Well, you know, I just had my first grandbaby about 10 days ago. Awesome. Little Henry. And, you know, it's just been an amazing journey. Uh, my wife... Been married for 34 or five years, somewhere in there. She's she's put up with a lot. Dealing with because dealing with fame ain't easy. Yeah. But she's been an incredible mother. She's driving me nuts now with this grandmama thing. Uh, but you know, my daughter is a, a great kid. Her husband, Ilya, is a great kid. I think they're gonna be great parents. Um she, she loved Villanova. They met when she was at Columbia grad school. He's from a great family. And uh, I hope they learn a lot from my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, hey, uh, I'm, in, I'm enjoying being a grandpa. Uh, it's one of the coolest things, holding that little baby was one of the coolest things of my life. And I just look forward to being a grandpa.
1: Yeah, I've got three. I've got a a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-month-old. And um, in fact, she's six months old today. And I'll tell you what, she's not talking yet. But the older ones, I could be having the worst day imaginable. And one of those girls walks in the front door, runs over, jumps in my lap, Grandpa, I'm here and my day's perfect. So it's coming for you, brother. I mean, I know 10 days, it's, it's still unreal. You know, you, you hold that little baby and you, and you think about all the people that told you being a grandparent was going to be different. And all of a sudden you realize it's true. It's just going to keep getting better. And the nice thing is when he starts to smell, you give him back to mom. Yeah. That's
0: what Ernie tells me all the time. And Clark, Clark says, you spoil yeah. them, you spoil them. Then when they start going crazy, you give them back to their parents. Yep. So I'm looking, I'm looking, you know, it's, it, it's, it was surreal knowing that my daughter had just had this little thing and I'm holding it in my big ass hands. And the baby was like a little, basically a little softball in my hands. And it was just, it was pure excitement on my part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. I let, you know, every, whoever I asked, I asked the same question to every single person. You can interpret the question however you want, answer it however you want. What is your legacy? Well, you know, it's, it's,
0: I think it's, it's very simple. When I talk to young kids, I always say that you make your parents proud. That doesn't mean you're a millionaire. That doesn't mean you're great at basketball. That you make your parents proud. That's the first question when I tell kids, like, yo, man, always try to make your parents proud. Don't make them embarrassed. And the second thing is I don't want people to say, I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and I mean that in a serious way, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, uh when some people die, you su- you 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 don't say it publicly, but we're glad they're gone. Mm. I just hope when I and I don't want people crying and all that other BS, because I had a great run. But with people who I know when they die, I won't say, I'm gonna miss that person. And but then I then I think about all the good times we had. Mm-hmm. I just want to be one of those people, like, yo man, I'm gonna miss him. I'm sad he's gone, and that's it. Like yeah. all the I always tell people, all the other stuff, it is what it is. But I don't. I, I I believe that I've done enough and tried to be a good person. That people ain't gonna be glad I'm gone. That's my legacy. So it's more about who you are than what you did oh, what you do is just what you do. It ain't who you is. You know, because that's a great question because I always laugh when people talk about I never won the championship. I says, first of all, I didn't realize it was an individual thing. Yeah. You know, just because some jackasses on television making money now, talking, about, well, he's never won. He's never won. They do it. They're making a great living now. Which, Wait a minute. You never even played, but you're on TV making millions of dollars. Talking about who wins, who loses. So that always makes me laugh, but I tell man, basketball is what you do. It ain't who you are. Right. For people to expect me, which makes me laugh. If people want out of all the stuff I've done in my life, if some people feel like me not winning a particular basketball game clouds everything that I've accomplished. In my life, they're crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're flat because just because guys on television making a good living now talk about. I'm like, yo, man, basketball ain't no individual sport. You know, I, I like it's a team game. Yeah. So I never overreact, but but people who want me to feel bad because I didn't win a particular basketball game, they're crazy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, my friend, it, it was good to connect with you. I enjoyed this time very much. And uh, one of these days when Kansas City gets an NBA team, we'll, we'll uh, take you out for some good Kansas City barbecue. You know what's so
0: funny about that? I think, I'm, I'm positive actually, the only time I've been to Kansas City was the Kings last year in Kansas City. Yep,
1: 1984. I think that was, that's the only time I've ever been to Kansas city. Well, we'll have to change that. And I, and the thing with Kansas city is you can go to a different barbecue restaurant every single night and run out of the year before you run out of barbecue restaurants. So. Well, well, David, you, you let your mouth write a check.
0: Your ass can't cash because I'm from Alabama. So I know good barbecue. So you can take me to all those places, but the barbecue better be good. Because I, be. Be, being from Alabama, I know good barbecue. And if you take me to a barbecue place, ain't no good. We're gonna have an issue.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh let's figure out a way to do that, and let's see if we can get an issue. But no, it, hey, it's all what. good.
0: Hey, hey, listen, I tell you what. I hopefully we'll get to meet in person. I want to thank you for having me, and you be safe and take care of yourself. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmailbooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.